Hey team, welcome to episode 89 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Whether you're a buyer or seller, your desire at the beginning of the transition often changes by the time the closing date arrives. We often get a front row seat to this and see the evolution of perspectives and the light bulb moments that come. And so we thought it would be interesting to share and discuss some of these examples to help you decide what matters and what might not when you're searching for the right practice or the right candidate to buy your practice. So welcome, Mr. Loretto. How are you? Christy, are you trying to say here that when you meet somebody for the first time and you're thinking this is going to be my spouse, that it may not actually turn out exactly how you envisioned it? I think we're talking about maybe is not judging a book by doing? its cover. I think that's what we're doing. I love it. I, this is, you know, <laughs> a lot of times I don't open and read the book, but I, I like it. We're judging it and then let's open and let's get into let's, it. Let's read the story before we decide yeah, it's our favorite the novel. Story. Right. What's up, girl? You got, you got some summer plans? It is hot in Texas right it, now. Yeah, it's steamy. Yes, we are going to go somewhere less steamy, and then we're going to go somewhere more steamy. Okay. We're going we're gonna to make a trip to Colorado, and we're going to do a Mexico trip. Two little short, long weekend type, just get out of Texas for a minute. What about you? Well, we were you doing there a little catch-up before this, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to the same places. So, yeah, I love got to go see my buddy Tom, of course, and Vale, and best friends are always that have nice places. Yeah, you know? yeah. Good friends, you know, those are good friends, but when you live in Vail, they pick you up, you have a car for you, get you into the tough restaurants, and all, they become best friends. Yes. So best friend Tom, we've got a, know, four or five days that we'll do a little work trip up there. We'll do a little work in the mornings and play in the afternoons. And then, uh, yes, to Mexico, I'm going to Punta Mita, and I've not been. Everyone says this I is like... I am so excited to hear about this Yes, trip. I've been to Cabo so many times, and I think it's better than Puerto Vallarta, and I think it's better than Cancun, but I've not been into this little town outside of Puerto Vallarta, which is Punta Mita. So I'm going to go check this out. I'll have, have to report back to all the listeners so they can yes, plan their next summer travel. Yes, yes, yes. I will definitely uh, report back. I've been to the little town next to it called Sayulita, and it's pretty cool. been there a couple of times, but I've not stayed in this little town, so I'm kind of excited. Well, we're both going next month. We're both ready for vacation. Yeah. It's always slower for us in this kind of summer period, mm-hmm. you know. I guess dentists are doing something. Maybe we're getting more podcast listing. I think they're I, kind of... I think so. They're all listening to our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's they're what just it waiting. Is. Yeah. Waiting, waiting for... Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's jump into it. <laughs> so this is an interesting topic because I think it's, uh, you know, like I said in our introduction here, it's always the moment when it's like they have a very... You talk to them the first few times and like, especially from a seller perspective, this is exactly what I want out of a transition plan. I want to work this amount of time. The buyer's really going to need me. So I'm going to work full time in the first year. And then the second year, I'm going to work a couple days. And then the third year, here's what I'm going to be. And anytime I hear that, I feel like I go one of two ways. I'm either like, are you sure you're ready to be done? And then secondarily, I'm always like, but you don't know what it's going to be like to not be an owner and still be in the practice, right? Like you've never experienced, it's really hard to kind of get yourself there. So talk to me about, you know, when you hear that, you know, what are your thoughts and kind of how do you approach that? Well, I really want them to tell me about, you know, kind of their story, what's, what's kind of leading up to this kind of transition. And yeah, I want them to be mentally ready for this. And I, I really want them to think about the four and the three and the two day kind of scaling it back. How many vacations, you know, are you taking? Is this just a hundred percent outright sell where, you know, they, again, they're telling us this exact vision, but yet they haven't thought things through. 
You know, they haven't thought if there's going to be an association there. They haven't thought about the number of chairs that are in the practice and the workload and the financial components, too. Of they got this vision of how it's going to work, but they're thinking about themselves. Yep. They're not thinking about how this is maybe going to work actually for this associate slash buyer slash partner. And they really haven't put themselves in that situation. And so it's nice sometimes to almost give them more things to reflect back on and go like, hey, maybe you're not ready in a nice, subtle, kind of, kind, direct mm-hmm. way. And then sometimes to say, oh, wow, you know, you're actually, you have very much thought this through. You know, I like the fact that you have had associates in the past. I like the fact that you spent more time with your spouse. You spent more time knowing that golfing, you spent more time knowing that you've got this other job lined up that may be working back in a teaching role or consulting role, something like that, that they have kind of something to do and their finances in order. That gives me a lot more peace in mind. It's just not often that we see that person's got everything laid out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hard to imagine a couple things. I think it's hard to imagine that someone else can come into your practice and do what you've done. So sometimes we have sellers who are like, that buyer's going to need me. They're going to have so many questions. They're going to need me to do production. And in some practices, that's true, right? Like there's a production gap and the seller's very much needed. But in a lot of cases, I think too, it's a seller has a hard time understanding kind of that when you sell 100% of your practice and you are now working back, the mindset, the what it's like to come in every day is different, right? Like you have a boss now. You haven't had a boss in probably 20 to 30 years. That buyer might choose to change the way things are done. They might play different music. They might change the appointment length, right? And, and that's their practice, right? They're Now they can do that. And so sellers, I always kind of caveat when they say, hey, I want to work back for three years and I don't want them to have the opportunity to terminate me. I want to work there. And if that's the case, I always kind of gently try to say, okay, but great. But what if you hate it, right? Like, what if you hate working there? What if you decide that, you know, hey, spending time at home and traveling is actually better than working in the office? Now you've committed yourself and you actually can't get out of it either, right? So flexibility and understanding that we always don't know what's on the other side of the fence when we're, you know, kind of looking over it. We don't know what it's like to be over there is really, really, really important to me. And again, if it's financially you need to work, you've agreed to sell earlier to a buyer who you wanted to wait, like there's always unique pieces to this puzzle, but really thinking like, I don't know what it's going to be like to not be an owner of this practice. And so don't box yourself into something unless it's required is really, really important to me because how many times have we had sellers who've been like, I really thought I was going to work, but this whole retirement thing is pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we've done that so often. Often where we do maybe like a staggered sell where let's we're gonna sell fifty percent now and maybe fifty percent later. And that time frame was maybe over a five year period. So okay, guys, we have finished this part of our, you know, transaction. You know, NDP is done. We've we created partnerships and basically we're just kind of check back in at year twenty twenty five. We get that phone call early and it's mm-hmm. like uh we've decided to move it up a little bit yeah. as soon as possible. It's like, <laughs> wow, what happened? You know, was there a fight or something? It's like, no, we just, I just realized that this person can do the work. I realized they're really good. I realized I enjoyed my time off and we just kind of yeah. came to this conclusion and, and, and we've agreed that this is how it worked and they've almost solved a lot of the problems and now we're just kind of coming in to expedite that. So it's just, it's always, you know, I think very interesting to have that first interview to see where people's mindsets are and, and we want to ask Ask those hard questions like because I agree it's like it's like two or three years I want this guarantee and it's like well where is this coming from yeah fear like, yeah just like, fear yeah. I think well sometimes. I'm, I, I'm 62 and I just I thought I'd really want it to be at 65 why <laughs> well what's 65 yeah 
You know, I think 65 is the new 55, the, the, the old 55. Everyone yeah. want to retire at 55. Now it's like 65. But, but why? I know. And they just, they have this number in their head and it's just like, let's just work through this. Yeah. Let's and it's, it's human nature, right? We all do it, right? Like I want to be this when I'm 40 and I want to be this and I should have this much and I should be doing this when I'm 30, whatever the number is, right? We all have this plan we've put forth in our head. And I think that as an owner, who's been a probably in this case, a lot, a sole owner probably did have the plan. I'm going to practice till I'm 62. I'm going to transition the practice. I'm going to work back. I'm going to scale down. I'll be 65. Then I'll retire. And life doesn't always work out like that, right? We've talked to 70 year olds who are like, I thought I would retire and I'm still having a great time. And we've talked to 55 year olds who are like, I am done. I am burnout. I've got what I need. Let's move on. So just being open about that. Yeah. And I think too, like mentally, you know, step one is just saying that I think that I, I'm ready for this and just to be open about what we're looking for open about the timeline of this open when that person gets there open with you know how this process is going to work open with the valuation open with I own the building how's that going to work and, and and taxes and implications and just that person that has that open flexible mindset is the person that obviously is most attractive for selfishly us to work with but I want you to think two sellers that it's the most attractive for the buyer that you find it opens yourself up to a lot more candidates it's actually a great segue into the next thing we see often, which is someone who sellers, I'm talking to you, they're ready to transition. They're going to sell hundred percent of their business and they're looking for someone, I guess it doesn't even have to be hundred percent, but they're looking for their buyer or their candidate, right? We don't always hear this, but oftentimes more often than not, we hear, and we ask the question, what type of person would be a good fit for your practice? And oftentimes what we get is shockingly a description of someone very close to what they are. Exactly. Right. You know, that can be everything from, I want them to listen to this type of music. I would like them to be athletic. I would like for them to be male, like for them to be female. I'd like for them to be this religion or that religion or do this specific type of training. You know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like the person doesn't have to be you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. No, as we hear it every all the time. Like, yeah, three years out, I want someone who trained, you know, at, you know, if it's in Georgia, I want someone who trained at the AGDG corporate like me. I want someone that can do these procedures, you know, like me. I want someone that, you know, is family oriented. You know, they just list all these things. I'm like hardworking driver. And I, I just like, okay, so let me get this right. And I, I want to repeat back all the things. And, and they're like, list off 10 things they said. I'll repeat it back. And then I go, yeah, you know, we're going to find that. No, no, we're, we're going to find it. I was like, yeah, they own a business. They already own the business. They're down the street. They own and they're extremely successful. So you're not going to find them. Yeah. So just stop, you know, with this magical list. We need to be broad and open. You may find a D4 student that has none of those things. Mm-hmm. It could be the female and you were looking for the male, the male you're looking for, it didn't make a difference. But this person, all of a sudden, let's just talk and see if they have some other qualities and perhaps they can be molded into what you're looking for or something different. You know, I like different. Yeah. I think don't get us wrong, right? Like it's important that you share these things and share them and say, hey, this is the type of person that I think would get along with my staff well, or this is the type of person my patients are used to. Sure. And those are things we can take into account. The point here is let's not limit where we will not talk to people or we will not be open or flexible to assessing other individuals who don't fit 
every checkbox on your list. No, I mean, look, think about the people that we interview when we turn down in a heartbeat. I mean, we're looking for someone who's respectful, someone who says they're going to be there at 830, they're at 830. Somebody who's looks sharp, dresser, mm-hmm. someone who takes care of your patients, good, high quality from a dentistry standpoint that uh, treats the team as equals and not, you know, as some authoritarian where, you know, I'm now the first day dentist and I'm going to tell you little hygienist or front. That's not what we're talking Mm-mm. about. Mm-mm. We're looking for humble people, their servants, and just like come in and can do all this. But maybe they don't have the clinical skills. Maybe they don't have some of the verbal skills that you, maybe they don't have a few of these pieces, but those things can be trained. Yeah. Yet. They don't have them yet. Yes. Is what I always say, uh, yes, right? Like you didn't great, start yeah. your practice and start your professional career as you are today. You have yeah. grown into that over 30 years. Let's give these kids young adults, younger people, a little bit of a break. Oh my God, I'm smiling right now. I'm thinking about every young woman that meets a young man right now. Women mature so much faster than men. And there's like, I really like him. He doesn't have 19 things I'm looking for, but I'm pretty sure I can mold him into what I'm looking for. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He has opportunity. That's human nature, right? We try, (laughs) as humans, we are fixers of all things, right? Like we try to like take something and make it better. That's a great quality, you know, but it's, it's just, again, it's stepping out of whatever your box is and saying, I am going to be open in this process. I've never done this process before. What is my ultimate goal? Sell my practice, take care of my patients, take care of my staff. And it's not oftentimes going to be a replica of me. Think about this. You don't marry someone exactly like yourself, right? right? If you did, you'd probably kill each other. Generally, there's differences about your personality and who you are that make you compatible. And I think the same can be true about a buyer and seller. So to wrap up the seller side of this before we move on to buyers, I think it's important, guys, if you're listening, how you feel pre-close and how you feel the day after close is likely not how you're going to feel six months post-close. And so we have to understand that this transition process is pretty emotional and pretty taxing and it's got a lot of feelings and it's new. Most people only do this once. So understanding that how you're going to feel later is not how you're going to feel today. Let's build some flexibility and let's understand that we're not going to be the same person a year post-close as we are today. And let's not kind of create such rigid guidelines that we're, we're stuck there. One more thing. So I, I've mentioned this many, many times, both in lecture and on this podcast, but the absolute key to is just we do not want you to be there. If you're working a four-day-a-week practice, I do not want you to be there those four days post-close. Even if the office is busy, we need you to remove yourself from the practice, go down from four to three, or just have plenty of time to let that new associate slash partner slash 100% owner to have that ability to run the practice, have that ability to be there all day, every day, lead the team, have that ability to take on, if it's a specialty practice, those referral sources and patients that are coming in and give them the ability to succeed and fail. And then to be able to reflect back on those days and weeks and to talk about the opportunities, you know, for improvement. That's how they're going to be better. That's how you, I mean, your job as a seller is to mentor and to lead. And that's what they paid for. They have paid for this good will. And so now it is your job to be able to give them the reins, but pull back a little bit and then be able to a good leader say, well, what could we have learned better from last week? Looks like you had a great week, but this is what I heard from the team. What are some areas that maybe I can help and kind of coach you through to get that? So just all the language skills that you want to be thoughtful about, they're, they're nervous, they're a nervous buyer, and obviously you're a nervous seller, but just be ready and, and to be able to, to pull back is step one, in my opinion. Do that. Have something to do. Go figure this out with kids and grandkids and go figure out, I like to play golf or not. Go figure things out. And then from there, have that ability to, to uh, pass this on to these buyers. Absolutely. Yeah. There's more than one way to manage and letting go of control is the hardest part, right? And that's the life lesson. So if we're moving on to buyers, 
you know, buyers, I think the main thing, and this will cover kind of what this topic is for buyers mostly is, you know, it's okay to be picky about who you like. I mean, we always say, you know, you have to like and love the practice and like and love the doctor and like and love the location, right? And it's okay to be picky about some of those things, but we have to be careful about how much we're being picky about something, right? If all your family is in Texas and DFW and you want to be in DFW because of that, that's 100% okay to be picky about that. But we can't be picky about that and then also say, in order for me to buy a practice, it has to have every bell and whistle. It has to be in the exact location I want. It has to be the exact fee-for-service PPO mix I want. You know, it has to exactly have the right procedures, you know, and you can't have everything, right? Right. And so this is like a judging a book by its cover, like to a T, because we do these complimentary calls with buyers and we go over opportunities and we help them with buyer consulting and, you know, become owners. And it's so great, but we see a lot of this doesn't fit all of my marks. Right. And so what are some things you see most often as far as having those conversations and and kind of where are people missing the mark there? I mean, you'll see a buyer turn something down just by the number of chairs. It's a four chair practice. I really wanted a five chair practice. I'm like, Mm -hmm. it does one point three million dollars. It makes five hundred and fifty thousand or six hundred thousand dollars. I mean, why don't we buy the practice and make it a little bit more efficient, grow a little bit on top line, make make more money, keep making six hundred thousand for the remaining five years on the lease, and go build a seven chair practice, go build a building. Yep. You yep. know, so sometimes they're they're turning it away from from that. They're turning it away from maybe the overhead is the biggest barrier. Well, I don't want to pay a high price for a high overhead, but maybe it's a reasonable price. Maybe there's something in the financial statements that they're not reading correctly. Mm-hmm. If I had the dollar for every time that someone is telling me <laughs> what the overhead is in a practice and telling me that this is how much it makes, I'm like, well, just send over the financial statements. Yeah. And, you know, unless you know how to read tax returns and unless that you have experience with reading profit loss statements and tying those back to the tax returns, you know, that's your qualification. You've looked at 100 and that's great. You're going to be the rare exception for the most part. We see a lot of people making these decisions of not doing something because something that they read or somehow they're interpreting. uh, This is a bad practice. I got the profit and loss and they are operating at a loss. Yeah. No, they're probably not. Yeah. Like they're probably not. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like me it. reading your x-rays. I mean, no, yeah. just, just just let somebody, it's not, it doesn't have to be us, it could be somebody else, but just make sure that we're not just looking at some of these financial statements. Even what I've seen brokers who are supposed to be qualified to do this, I've seen what they percent is actually incorrect. I think I've seen at times where it actually makes more money than even what the broker is saying, or maybe there's this real estate issue. They really want to buy the real estate. I'm like, don't get caught up on the real estate. It's like the guy doesn't want to sell the real estate, then let's buy the practice that makes it a lot of money and then let's get out of there and yep. go build the real estate someplace else and stop worrying about you know this real estate company the real estate value could drop in a heartbeat yep you don't even know that that five chair practice is what it's going to take you for the next 20 years why would we buy real estate in this example that they had to have when it may not fit your 20-year goals. So we'll see something as simple as the chairs and, and something about the building that they wanted to buy or they had to buy. We'll see something that they know something like on the financials. It could be on a partnership. So I think just the ability and be open-minded, very much like the seller, let's take a look at the big picture here and mm-hmm. really see what is this true opportunity. Then let's discuss the things that are the non-negotiables. Yep. Some of our most successful buyer clients have bought businesses that were not perfect 
that needed work. They needed to spruce up. They were underutilized. They had too many insurances, even though there was a big fee-for-service patient base around them. They didn't do, they referred everything out and really being able to see like the diamond in the rough and being able to like kind of separate it out and say, hey, I'm not looking for my one-year practice. I'm looking for my 30-year practice. And what it is today is not what it has to be five years from now or two years from now, or certainly not 10 or 15 years from now. Clearly, you want to make sure you're doing your diligence and you're not buying something that's not great and doesn't have the ability to be great, right? Like that's why those patient demographics and understanding what's being referred out and understanding if it's like, you know, is it a growing area or declining area? But even if it's one of those older back of the medical complex spaces, if there's a mile down the road or half a mile down the road, the ability to move the practice within five years, like let's do it. You know, like there's opportunity to change what you buy if you're doing it the right way and not just marking it off your list. Well, and the thing I want to just emphasize here is buyers, when you buy this practice, the number one thing you're buying is those patients. If it's got 500 active patients, it's just going to take a long time to get this thing up the hill. But if it's already has the 2000 active patients and it just basically has a few things that you like or don't like, and these don't likes are outweighing the likes, I just want us to be open about it and just understand that you're looking at inside those practice numbers, the procedures that may be being referred out, the marketing or lack of, the team, Mm -hmm. uh, case, you know, presentation, case acceptance. So some of these metrics inside that business are actually where the value, Mm -hmm. you know, is. I could not have been more excited about a phone call I had yesterday, day before. And this, I'd like to probably invite him to be on our podcast. And the thing that, and I won't share too much of this story just in case he does come on, but the walk away from this individual was, I knew his numbers before. Okay, so he was kind of a million dollar type practice and overhead was like 65 to 70%. And it was just flat. And he just wasn't making very much money, quite honestly, just just paying this down that and just not quite getting where he wants to go. Out of five operatories, Christy, I've never been more excited. This guy's doing two and a half million, two and oh five, my gosh, 500,000. And one of the things that just literally, like, I told the captain, I was like, I'm very proud of you. He just says light bulbs just started going off. It's like, well, I just figured out what it takes to get case acceptance. I figured out that I needed to be faster in my clinical. I figured out that I was going to need to take these following courses. I figured out that the first two consultants that I hired were worthless. I wasted $50,000 on two consultants. It was a waste. But I knew I knew that I had to keep investing and I finally found the right leadership and coaching. And once I got that in place, everything just kind of clicked. The clinical kind of clicked on, my marketing kind of clicked on. I figured out how to get new patients because I hired the right person. Then I figured out how am I managing my team. I figured out how to bring an associate in and I'm sitting on a bunch of cash now and I'm looking at going to do a building. I'm just like, I'm just, I know you're, (laughs) we're in a Zoom call, you know, so I could see the guy, you know, it's like, I'm really proud of you. (laughs) That's such a good story. And I think also like helpful to drive the point home that I said earlier, which is like what you are today and what you know today is not what you're going to know tomorrow. No. And like, this is a whole evolution and it's, it's kind of a living, breathing thing that you're, you're building and doing yep. and just being open to kind of new ideas and not being stuck in your ways on either side of the fence can really like bring the best potential solution in. So as you begin to think about the transition process, I hope you can see and understand that it truly is a whole new world and being open, figuring out what expectations are lines in the sand, what expectations are more flexible or maybe more pipe dreams will be the key to ensure you don't pass up the right opportunity or the right person. And sometimes the ending isn't quite what you imagine, but different can very much mean better. So that's all we have for today, team. Thanks for joining us on episode 
episode 89 of Transition Talk. And as always, make sure you share the transition love with those who may not know of us yet. And of course, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time. Awesome. Thanks for seeing